Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. This is not just some rainy Sunday. This is a new beginning. Nobody's ever lived this this, uh, next week. And so, as we move all in, we are continuing, uh, starting today, um, beginning something new. You notice the last few weeks we've talked about the resurrection a lot and, and how from Emmaus, um, these men actually got to see Jesus alive in the world. We've talked about how the reality of the resurrection changes everything. And I pray for you today that, that you and I would would hear the word of God and that we would be able to, um, to start something new today. And we're going to jump in from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. I'm going to read that today, and then I'm going to offer you kind of the, the whole message in a nutshell, and, and then we're going to unpack things, I think, in a way that, I don't know, at least for me, they have already been very, very life-changing. So I know it's cloudy and rainy outside, but to my knowledge, it's not raining in here, is it? No clouds in here, so we're going we're gonna to worship, amen? amen? So Father God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would help us to hear your voice. I pray that you would give us the faith to believe that today can be different, that we are not stuck where we've been, that you are the God of new beginnings, and that today we have to wait on nothing. In Jesus, amen. So in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 11, we are um, just hard on the heels of the resurrection. We are in the period um, right before Pentecost, the, the 40 days, then 50, after the Passover, until Pentecost, until Jesus ascends, and today uh, is, is the day that he ascends. On one occasion, the scripture says while he was eating with him, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, there is no place that you will not take my love. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. I want you to to have this picture in your mind of all that's gone on in the last few uh, weeks for these men. What they've just heard and now they're standing and they see Jesus lift off the ground into the skies and he is hidden by a cloud and they are dumbfounded. And what do they do? Well, verse 10 tells us they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, these two guys were what? Angels. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. 
Brent Hansen said this, and here is the message in a nutshell. We're all waiting for something that's already happened. He said this in a book called Unoffendable, which we're reading as a staff, which I would challenge you to read as well. If you get the title, you've pretty much got the book. Um, But it's a pretty life-changing thing to not be offendable. We're all waiting for something that's already happened. In the mountains echoed, Khaled Hosseini says this, I suspect the truth is that we're all waiting, all of us, against insurmountable odds for something extraordinary to happen to us. But I want to remind you hard on the heels of Easter and in the testimony of the scriptures that God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world, that love has come, that death is beaten, that life is here, that something extraordinary has already happened to each one of us. Every one of us here has been touched by the possibilities of God's endless, infinite love. Nothing greater could happen in your life. Nothing. And yet, most of us are waiting for something before we start living our lives. The reality is that you and I are wasting life waiting for God to do what he's already done. This is the message of the life of Jesus, his death, his burial, and all of it is proved to be real and true by the resurrection. But all of us are waiting against insurmountable odds for something extraordinary to happen to us. Have you ever heard the phrase, waiting for my ship to come in? Anybody ever heard that? Good news. Your ship is already in. It docked on planet earth 2,000 years ago. It brought all of the love of heaven, all of the riches of God, all of the hope of, of eternity. It brought a power to heal your broken. It brought a, a presence to answer your loneliness. It, it brought all of, of the love of God into the emptiness of life in a broken world. What are we waiting for? I, I actually, you know, um, want you to know that this is a message that, that God is really speaking to me uh, first uh, and then maybe through me if you have the faith to hear. Growing up in an alcoholic family, I, I learned to hate waste. Uh, I don't mind spending money. I hate wasting it. I don't mind, um, you know, spending effort, but I, I, I hate wasting it. And I think God hates waste. I looked around in, in our alcoholic family, and, and it, it's kind of like maybe buying a new car without insurance, and for no good reason, taking a sledgehammer to it and just breaking it up and bashing it in in your driveway and then making payments on it for the next five years. Why? It's now an ugly eyesore. It's now, you know, uh, no longer useful for what it was created for. And was, did that really accomplish anything? And when you and I live in our brokenness, when we give into it, when, um, when we let uh, brokenness win instead of love, we are wasting life. 
And I believe that as individuals and as a church, that we are wasting life in the 21st century. We're waiting for something to happen, waiting for a better version of the American dream to arrive so then we can start living our lives. Again, we've talked about it you know, ad nauseum, you know, the, the, the lottery fantasy. You know, if I won, then my life would be, you gotta be kidding me. What we're doing is hanging on to a dream based on consuming instead of being consumed by the love of the Father. Your creator created you in passion on purpose and he's calling you back to himself from a broken world and you're free to stay apart but he wants you in and he wants you home so badly. But we're waiting. Waiting to be loved by somebody. You know? Um, if we're single, we're waiting to find that somebody. Too many of us, if we're married, we're, we're waiting until our spouse changes or, or we can find a better one, you know? Um, waiting for something to happen with our kids, waiting for something to happen with finances, waiting for something to happen in our hearts. But what are we waiting for? We're like the disciples standing around looking into the sky, <laughs> going, look at that. And the angels show up and ask, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? In John 19.30, the scripture says this. When he had received the drink, Jesus said three words. It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. So here are all of us on a dying planet waiting for something to happen, waiting uh, for a change to come somewhere, and God has, has just invaded our space with his, his own life. And when his life was poured out to the last ounce of love on earth, he declared, it is finished. What did Jesus finish? I want you to answer this question, not only, you know, kind of in the biggest, you know, cosmological sense, but what did he finish in your life? What pieces are missing in your life? What's the unfinished of your life? And how does that tie back to the cross and these words of Jesus that day? There is a connection, you know. And if you haven't made a connection, that may be a part of what you're waiting for. What did Jesus finish about your life on the cross. There's a lot of answers to this, and, and the ones I'm going to give are, are just the beginning, just the edges of, of the ocean. But one of the things that Jesus finished was all of the work necessary um, for us to begin finishing all of the work that was necessary. Jesus finished all the work of God that was necessary for us to begin finishing all the work of God in the 21st century. 
So Jesus is, is not this gospel of self and consuming that is going to deliver to you a better version, a blessed version of the American dream. Jesus is calling you out of a dying world into the kingdom of God that has come on earth. And this kingdom is radically different. It is new. It is next. It has come. Nothing to wait for. And in this kingdom, it's not about you and I anymore. It's about Jesus. It's not about our old broken being unanswered and us living from ego to try to fix what's wrong in our lives, to try to answer all the hurting. It's about leaving behind the dying and enter into the living Son of God and into a new kingdom of new purpose and we pour our lives out as Jesus did. So what's finished is a life of futility. And now you have a life of purpose. In Swahili, the word for a, a person with lighter skin, a Western person or European person is wazungu. It means one who runs around in circles. Chasing a clock. Things have to be on this time schedule. Just frantic, busy. But are you really living. What's finished, and the scripture says in John 20, 21, um, you know, as the father, first of all, Jesus said, peace be to you. And then he said, as the father has sent me, I have sent you. I've, I've done all of the work necessary for you to do all the work that you need to do in your family, in your workplace, and in your world. And here's the crazy thing. You and I, we, we don't believe this book. We do not believe this book. We, we do not believe what it says. We do not take seriously what it says. This book says that all of the answer to the hell in this world has been answered by the heaven that has come. This book says that the very essence of God came and has uh, changed life and is present with us. And, and, and this book says that, that this son of God who is the, the agent of change has, has said that we are on the exact same mission as he is. No less. No less loved, no less sent. You have the same mission as Jesus in your world. But most of us don't believe it. We think our mission is to consume and to earn and to be happy or some, some other, you know, world-based stuff. But I, I'm telling you, you have a work to do. This work in the broken world is, is, is it's leaky bucket work. There's, it'll never be full. This work in the kingdom of God is overflowing bucket. When you step into the kingdom of God work, you are living in the overflow. And there's just a difference in the satisfaction and the peace and the power of your life. But the other thing that was finished on the cross um, was, was Jesus giving us this incredible gift of his presence. We are no longer alone. And in a very real sense, uh, Jesus uh, didn't leave. He went up to heaven to pour out his Holy Spirit. His own heart was given to us. In, in um, John 16, 7, Jesus was talking with his disciples and, and they were grieving his language of leaving. And he said, don't, no guys, you don't understand. It's a good thing that I'm going. 
Because here in this form, I am, I am one person in one place. But when I go, uh, I will send my Holy Spirit, the comforter, the, the paraclete, the, the one who comes alongside. And, 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 and you will be blessed beyond measure. So in, in that verse, Jesus says, I am, I am sending my spirit to be my presence, the presence of God in the world. And, and, and then in Matthew 20, um, in 20, uh, 28, he says, I will be with you to the end of the age. So, so you need to understand that even as they're watching Jesus rise up out of, of the, the earth, Jesus didn't leave. In a brilliant move of God, he, he multiplied his presence and the availability of it endlessly. It is finished. I can now be with everyone everywhere at all times. It is finished. Um, I have done the work to now not have just one son um, living the father on earth, but now to have billions of sons and daughters living the father on earth. And in, in reality, we think that there is a scarcity of, of the presence of Jesus. We think there's a scarcity. Um, and, and so we're waiting on abundance to come. We're waiting on more. If I only had more, then I would, right? Haven't we all said that in some form or fashion? Well, I'm, I, I can't do this for God because I don't have. Well, let me tell you, because of what Jesus finished, what you do have. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, uh, I love the Berean, Bible, um, the Berean Study Bible's translation of it. It says this, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. How much grace? All right. How big is God? How many galaxies are there? How many stars? How wide is the universe? It's still expanding. It's getting bigger. I cannot conceive, but the God of all that has now able to make all grace abound to you, all right? Now I want you to think of the circumstances in your life that are stopping you, that feel, make you feel stuck, that make you feel less than, that make you feel hopeless, discouraged, uh, downtrodden, defeated, um, unable to move forward. You know, what are those circumstances? Well, what Jesus finished on the cross was a provision that this grace would now come to you and to the body of Christ, the church, and it would abound so that in all things, including every one of the things that are stopping you right now, that in all things, at all times, not in the future, now, here, at all things, at all times, having all that you need, Jesus, I, I, if I only had, then I could do. If, if you'd only healed me in this way, then I would. If, if this hadn't happened to me, then I'd be okay. If you'll only do this, then I will. And on and on the bargain goes. And all the while, we are wasting life, waiting for, for God to do what he's already done. He has already done it. It is finished. Do you understand? Hey, sleepy church, this means yes, this means no. Do you understand? Yes. 
There's no need for any of us to waste life any longer waiting for God to do something for us. Something extraordinary has already happened that changes all of the darkness to light, all of the misery to hope, all of the hard to healing. Yes, we still live in a broken world. Yeah, we still got to go through this world. Jesus said, look, in this world, you're going to have trouble. That's why I don't want you to live here. Any of y'all into ecology and sustainability? The reason God sent his son is your life apart from him is not sustainable. You and I will die. But now, we don't have to waste life any longer because God is able to make all grace abound to us so that in all things, all of your circumstances, everything making you sad, everything making you stuck and stopped, at all times now, having everything you need, you lack nothing to accomplish the eternal purposes God imagined for your life. You lack nothing to live joy. You lack nothing to have the healing of God flow in your life for your broken heart. You lack nothing to rise up and live a life, not that's going to be famous. You don't, you're not looking for fame in the world. You're looking for, for the Father's glory. You lack nothing to be and bring the glory of God. You know, years ago when I, I started losing my hair, I didn't realize how vain I was until I was losing my hair. And then for about 15 years, people have to comment on it. And then after about 15 years, they're finally used to seeing you. I got to tell you, I love the way I look. Why? Because this, this is how God made me. And he's good. When you look in the mirror, do you love what you see? I'm not talking about vanity. I'm not talking about ego and, and uh, you know, imagining your eye candy for everybody else. I'm talking about when you look in the mirror and you see the gifting of God and the creation of God, do you see good? I'm not talking about good in the sense that you don't need Jesus. No, you're broken and you have a lethal disease and you're gonna die. I'm talking about do you see, do you see what God sees? He sees worth. He sees value. But the truth is, most of us, when we look in the mirror, there's contempt for that person. And even the, the ego and the pride that sometimes shows up, that's really a mask for insecurity and self-hatred. And we hate our weaknesses. We hate the gifts we don't have. Or we hate our failures. We, we hate how many times we've started something and then stopped it. We you know, this world talks a lot about disrespecting others, but there's a real sense in which part of the first soul cancer that Satan uh, infects us with is a disrespect for, well, first it was towards God, but then it's towards ourselves. Well, my gifts are nothing. You just said God was nothing. Do you realize that? Look at me. Everybody look at me and listen. When you say, I, I'm I'm nothing, my gifts are nothing, I'm, I'm ugly, I'm this, I'm that. You just said God was all those things. God, you're ugly. God, you're no good. God, you're, you're unfair, you're wrong. You're evil. Okay, do you believe that? Because there's a whole lot of us here are wasting life, waiting for something to happen in our lives, waiting for our ship to come in, waiting for something to happen, for somebody to love us, for something, and we're just wasting life. 
My earthly father wasted a family. For about 45 years, he wasted a family. Love won in the end with him, by the way. But he wasted so much. Why? Because he was waiting on something that had already happened. It was Jesus. God has done something for you. And if that means nothing to us, then honestly, we should close our doors and not be a church. Seriously. If that means nothing to us as a community, that God has done something so extraordinary that it changes everything, then we should, we should you know, sh- sell the building, give it to the poor, and I'll find a job doing something else. If, if, this, if we don't believe what has happened is everything, then we are nothing. What are you waiting for? Why are you standing around after all that's happened, after all you've seen and heard, why are you standing around looking up into the skies? God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having everything you need, everything you need, everything you need, not for you, but for your mission on on, on the earth, not for your glory, but for the glory of God, that you may abound in every good work. And the good work you do is not so that you'll get the attention of other people, it's so that your life will bring attention to Jesus so that he can bring uh, attention to Father. That's living All the rest is disguised dying. We're waiting in fear for something from the future instead of acting in faith on the one thing in the past that has changed everything in the present and in the future. It's already happened. It's already happened. It's done. It's ours. What are we waiting for? In Acts chapter three, uh, chapter one, verse three, the scripture says, after his suffering, <laughs> okay, that's, that's all that we've been celebrating these last few weeks. Jesus suffered hell so that there's no hell for us uh, anymore. You don't have to live in your own private hell. You, you don't. You don't have to live defeated down in depression. You don't have to live in hurt and loneliness and anger and fear and resentment and woundedness and unforgiveness. You don't have to live in the shadows of hell. Jesus suffered to defeat hell. He actually went there. From, from the time he physically breathed his last until he, he breathed his next on Sunday morning, Jesus literally went to hell and stole the keys out of Satan's pocket. You don't have to live in hell anymore. You can live in joy, in hope, in power, and you may be in pain, but but there is peace in that presence. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What else are you waiting to happen? It's already happened. It's already done. Stop it. Stop being stopped. And then the scripture goes on to say that that he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Hey, Jenna, I'm Jesus, I'm alive. Hey, Jenna, I'm here. Uh, Hey, can we eat together? Come over here, let's sit down. Okay, I'm convinced, you're alive. I'm telling you, uh, part of what it means to be a believer is that something inside of you has glimpsed and seen That this Jesus is different than every other religion in the world. Anybody who tells you all the religions in the world are the same is being intellectually lazy. They are not. 
They have different epistemologies. They have different, um, you know, eschatologies. Everything is different about them. But in Jesus, there is a different message. In Jesus, there is, there is a, a, a message of a God who is infinite, joyful, uh, healing, redemptive love. And not a love that has left the world broken, but a love that, that was broken to heal the world. And a love that still lives. And what faith is, real faith, not dead religion, real faith is that you see that for yourself. You see your own pain and you see your own hurt and you begin to see the, the, the hell and perceive it and then you hear this story and something somewhere in your heart, in your imagination, you see the reality of Jesus. The story to Emmaus, we, we, we've seen Jesus. Not with their eyes, he disappeared when they saw him, but with their hearts. And, and what real faith is that, is that at some point you've seen the beautiful reality of Jesus alive in a broken world. You know it's true. That's faith. And we stand here with those disciples, many convincing proofs. Every, truly, every true believer is convinced Jesus is alive and real and relevant in the 21st century. And the scripture goes on to say that in verse 4, he, he told them to wait. On one occasion, he was eating with them. He gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised. Um, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Well, this was like 2019 years ago, so I think it's happened, right? That's Pentecost. That's, that's what happens in Acts chapter 2. It's done. You don't have to wait on anything anymore, any longer. Now, most of us, you know, so, so we hear these words, but we're still waiting, and we're still not moving, and we're still not acting, and we're still acting like we're, we're you know, incomplete, and we don't have enough, but, but we're wasting life waiting for God to do what he's already done. It's all already done. It is finished. And, and like the disciples, you know, so they've had all this experience with the resurrected Lord. And, and then they say in verse 6, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So God, we got to know the plan. Give me some details and then I'll be able to do your work. Uh, fill me in so that I can know stuff. And Jesus said, it is not for you to know the, the, the times and the, and the plans of God. That's by his own authority. And so... So we might want to know more before we start, before we begin, but the reality is that the clarity of the mission trumps how every time. Now I want you to say this with me. I'm going to repeat half of it and ask you then to repeat half of it. I'm going to pause, and if you'll humor me, you're going to repeat the other half of it, okay? We ready? The clarity of the mission trumps how every time. You have been given a mission by, by God. But you don't have to repeat that part. <laughs> You've been given a mission by God. He has told you to go and to be his witness, to be the revelation of, of his love and his life, of his hope in a broken world. He told you that you're not to draw any ethnic boundaries or make any distinctions um, demographically or, or ge geographically between anybody. Your love is to be limitless and you are to go. But most of us are stopped by, how do I do that? I took a four-hour class on missiology, um, and actually I took, I took several, and I'm sitting there thinking, all of this, I'm sitting in a classroom, 
Um, and I'm, this is not anti-intellectual, you know, but I'm sitting here in a classroom for four hours a week for a semester um, listening to a thousand words a minute. Uh, Jesus said, go. He never said how. But we demand the how before we'll listen to who said to go. There's a whole lot of us here stop because oh, I don't have enough knowledge and I don't know enough and God hasn't. I'm gonna be a little snarky on one thing and then hopefully helpful on another. Some of you say, well, I don't know enough about the Bible. Hey, here's a clue. How about you read it once in a while? <laughs> snarky continue just for another 10 or seconds. Go home and find your Bible, right? Dust it off, find it somewhere under those other books or in that corner and actually open the thing and read it. And you are intelligent and the Holy Spirit will speak to you through that. I don't, well, I don't, I don't know enough to, to do. Jesus said, go. And we're standing around looking up in heaven. I need more instructions. Jesus, is this the time? Or are, you gonna, are you gonna fulfill all the plan of Moses and, and Abraham and David and Solomon? And, and is this the time? And what about Rome? You know, we're a complicated geopolitical situation. You know, we've got Rome here occupying our territory and we're not free. And, and you've given us this message, but you got you crucified. So what's gonna happen to us? So we need some details here, Jesus, and then we'll go. We're wasting life waiting for God to do what's already been done. And the clarity of the mission is to have compassion on a broken world, to show mercy. <laughs> Pastor Alberto this week says, and we'll unpack it later, he says, we don't have enough money to answer all the poverty of the world, but we do have enough love to answer all the misery. Go, answer it. Let your own misery be answered by, by what's been done in the cross and then end the misery in your home and then answer the misery at your workplace and then look around with opened eyes that are healed and can see other human beings and go and answer their misery. How many of y'all love your kids? Okay. How many of y'all realize that everybody else is somebody else's kid? And everybody else is potentially God's son or daughter and we ought to love them with the same love that Father loves them and loved us. So what are we waiting for before we're all living out and, and, and we're living all out and going all in for the glory of God? Here's where many of us are stuck. I can't do and then we fill in the blank for God because I don't have fill in the blank from God. Look on the right hand side of your notes inside because I've got some homework for you to do. You know, I, I can't, God, I, you know, I, I can't do for you because you haven't given me. Maybe some of us are waiting for love. You know, if I only, if I can only have the pain in my life answered by a real and embracing love, then I would be free. John 59 says, as the father has loved me, I have loved you. All of the infinite love of heaven poured into the son, it's no lessened in being given to you. There's, there's not a diminishing, the hose hasn't gotten smaller. The infinite love of father delighting in his son is delighting in his daughters and his other sons. Waiting for freedom? Well, gosh, if, if this would change in my life and that would change in my life, God, then I could do for you. The scripture says it is for freedom that you have been set free in Christ. You are free. It's already happened. You are already free. Waiting for greater resources? 
Well, if I only had this, churches are this way. Well, if, if we only, you know, had more money, we could do such and such. That's a bunch of garbage. The issue is never money. It's always faith. It's always trust. God said, I, you've, you've heard 2 Corinthians 9, 8. It's true. Again, we were a little church of less than 200 people, um, and we undertook an eight, eight and a half million dollar project with a budget of $354,000 a year, and here we are. Well, so what? So what? We still have three and a half million to pay off on this land, and, and we're still going to be spending millions more on missions in, in the world around us on other people. And, and, and God, well, we, we can't do more because we don't have. No, we do have. As one pastor said, this is for another Sunday. The good news is that, that we have all the money we need to do everything God's called us to do in the broken world. The bad news is, it's still in your pockets. We'll talk about that another day. I can't do anything for you, God, because I don't have. Uh, well, well, what about your gifting? That's, this is a big one for many. Many of us are stopped at this point. Well, God, if you'd only give me greater gifts... You know, if I could sing like Patrice, well, actually, I wouldn't want to sing quite like Patrice. I'd maybe a little bit more like Derek, you know. Um, if, if I had these gifts, if I looked better, if I was stronger, if I was more intelligent, if I, if I, seriously, think about your own life, all of the things that are stopping you, what are they? What are your excuses? What are your boxes that, that are those claustrophobic places? Well, God, if you'd have been better to me and give me a better family, if you'd have been, if you'd have given me a better husband, Ouch. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, that God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Your gifting is the beautiful work of God that is to be celebrated and, and given away on purpose in passion. It's not to be something that you look at and you bury in the ground, that you stand around your whole life feeling sorry for yourself. Stop it. Stop making excuses for living small. Stop making excuses for doing nothing with, you fa- with your faith. If you don't believe in Jesus, then I, I guess it's okay that you don't do anything for Jesus. But if you believe in Jesus, then you got to get your backside up and do something with your faith. You got to start looking like him. Pastor Alberto took a group of men to the beach. These were, these were um, uh, recovering addicts. And while they were at the beach, uh, three girls pulled up and they were in um, kind of Costa Rican uh, bathing wear. And just let your mind go where that goes, right? Um, or actually don't. But, um, and Pastor Alberto, all the men were looking and Pastor Alberto said, those are, are followers of Mother Teresa. And they, the men said, what? They said, yeah, those are Mother Teresa's followers. They said, no, they're not. I said, yes, they are. They follow Mother Teresa. Um, you know, well, we know that they don't. How do they know they don't? They didn't look anything like Mother Teresa. If you and I follow Jesus Christ, our living is going to look like his did. And if it doesn't, then there are no excuses. Um, you're just wasting your life. On stuff that won't matter for eternity. Stop wasting life waiting for God to do what he's already done. He's given you all the love, freedom, resources, the gifting, and the time you need to do what will, what will fulfill his purpose in your life and what will, what will heal you and lift you up out of the hell that you're stuck in and, and, and give you purpose and passion. Another way to put this is, if God had only given me blank, then I could, then I could do blank. 
If you'd only given me a little more, God, then I could have done this for you. That's a lie from hell. Stop being stopped by the lies from hell. Amen? Two words in the message. What are they? Stop it. It's all been done. You just have to take your step of faith. I told the earlier service, we got we to gotta do something. We got to start something in terms of even our clapping and responses. There's nobody on stage who will ever take uh, your clapping as being something for their egos. Am I, am I right? Am I right? And as a church, we got to start being a little bit more responsive to God, okay? That's just a quick aside. We are all wasting life in some form or fashion, waiting for God to do what's already been done. To believe in Jesus is to believe that he is beautifully alive in a broken world right here and right now. To believe is to start today. To start today uh, to, to grow in Christ. To be the, the love of God in a broken world. So stop being stopped. And, and, and I want you to do some homework. And I want you to, to take out your notes right there. And I want you to fill this in. You know, the main thing stopping me from growing in Christ are what? What is stopping you? What are you waiting for? Why are you looking up into the sky as though God had not given you clear marching orders and, and the clear power to, to do everything that's going to make a glorious life in the perfection of God's will? What are you waiting for? What's keeping you from growing in Christ? And then secondly, to say this, starting today, I will believe and I will begin. What? What will you begin? Because it needs to start today. It needs to start believing now that, that I've been waiting for something that's already done. It's like the door's open and I'm standing there waiting for it. No, no, no. Just go in. Go through. Stop living small. Stop living selfishly. Stop living wounded. Stop living being a victim. Stop living ignoring the mission of Christ. Stop living the American dream and start living the, the call of, of God on your life in Christ. So start something today. I'm gonna ask you, the worship team's gonna start singing here in just a second. I'm gonna ask you, um, even as they sing, guys, I'm gonna ask you to, to bow your head and if you're willing to start something, I'm gonna ask you in just a moment, just a moment to, to do that, to go to God and say, God, today, here's what's been stopping me. And I, I give that to you. I acknowledge that, that what has been stopping me has already been provided for. Here's what I'm going to start today. I, I'm listening to your voice and here's what I, I, I know I'm supposed to do on your mission. And the beginning place for all of that is accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you've never done that, if you've never in your heart and mind and imagination seen that he's really alive and not just in, in the past or in the world, but in your life, in your family, in your circumstance, if you've never really believed that he is alive and, and have, have pegged your life on that one hope, today is the day you start. And you stop staying away from him. The scripture says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on his name. Use that card, mark it on there, tell somebody. But today, believe that Jesus has done it all for you and you just have to accept it. So bow your head if you will and, and I'm just gonna ask you, I'm not gonna lead you in a prayer right now, I'm just gonna ask you if you would go to God and, and if you would uh, tell him simply today, God, here are the things that have been stopping me. 
But starting today, I will, and then, and then offer up to God your availability and your obedience to do what in your heart of hearts, if you'll only listen, you know he's called you to do. Stop being stopped today. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.